Welcome to Crossfade, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. I'm your host, Matt Helgeson. Jason Daphnis, what's up? I am feeling skanky tonight, Matt. Whoa. Oh, I see what mm-hmm. you did there. And we are skanky as a result of uh, a guest we're very excited about, John Carson, a video game journalist, a recently former a Game Informer editor. And uh, welcome to the show, John. Hey, thanks. I'm ready to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Pick it up. <laughs> yes. It up. Yes. He did it. <laughs> um, John, it was a bummer what happened at Game Informer. I just wanted to yeah. say that. I, I really, that sucks and Thank you. was not deserved. <laughs> so I'm, I hope everything is good in your world. And I think that I would encourage people to hire you if you're in the video game business. Um, Yeah, that sucks, man. I'm sorry. Well, thank you. That's that's very sweet. And luckily, uh, I know the news has kind of gotten out there that the other writer that was let go, uh, Wesley LeBlanc, is actually going back to Game Informer now mm-hmm. after a, a weird switcheroo. So it, it's cool that uh, he's going <laughs> to be able to... <laughs> What? He's going to be able to go back. Oh, you haven't heard about this? Uh, oh, yeah. So one one of the magazine editors decided to put in their two weeks notice. And so some uh, finagling was done oh. uh, with corporate to uh, to give Wesley his job back. So uh, that's fantastic. And I will be taking all of his uh, job offers uh, from everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> on out. Yeah. Well, you got a real Wesley LeBlanc check out of that one. Yeah. Oh, and also I want to give a shout out. Also let go game before Jeff Akervik. Huh. Oh man. Yeah. He, I worked with Jeff. He, that was shocking to me. He was the cornerstone of the production department. And that was, uh, really stupid. Um, yes. so, uh, <laughs> yes. I, I was a legend. Like, really kind of like jaw dropped by that one. So anyway, but you know, I'm sure you got, you know, you're getting things out there and you're going to land something even better. So totally speaking of something even better than getting laid off, that's streetlight <laughs> manifesto. Um, so, okay. I'm going to start actually, I'm going to, we're going to get off track right from the beginning. <laughs> Great. Um, so <clears throat> I have a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a okay. scab beef conspiracy. Which did you see them at Pitchfork, Jason? Um, <laughs> they were uh, overlapping with karate, yeah. so I couldn't. Okay, yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. I haven't. I hadn't heard a street light, street light manifesto, but for a minute I mm-hmm. thought I had, and then I was like, no, wait, I'm getting them confused. There's a band called Gaslight Anthem, right? So you got like mm-hmm. Street Light Manifesto, mm-hmm. Gaslight Anthem. You know, it's kind of a parallel there, right? Yeah, light. Yeah, light parallel. So then I was looking at Streetlight Manifesto's, you know, Wikipedia page just to kind of prep and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, Origin, you know, 2002, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Interesting. And then for some reason, I was going to check out Gaslight Anthem's Wikipedia because I hadn't thought about that band forever. And I was like, oh, interesting. Formed 2006, New Brunswick, New Jersey. <laughs> oh, God. They're from the same city. So was this was Gaslight Anthem sort of some kind of weird either tribute or like oh. – Parody of Streetlight Manifesto. They're they're riding those coattails. I don't know. I'm not sure. I've I've never heard of Gaslight Anthem. So this is bizarre to me. Matt's never heard of Streetlight. You've never heard of Gaslight. I feel like these are both bands that I like I don't listen to, but I know Gaslit right now. (laughs) (laughs) Gaslit Anthem, yeah. Uh, anyway, I thought that was weird that they're from the same city, New Brunswick, which is like, there's not like a shitload of bands from New Brunswick, New Jersey. Is that, is that like a ska, like Mecca in America? What, what uh, is kind that? of. Well, I mean, it is really. Yeah. Like the, the East coast ska scene, I think it was kind of the New York, New, New Jersey area where like West coast is what SoCal. Like that's well, where like mm-hmm. big fish is from. And uh, like sublime has some ska roots to it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, where, where's I, uh, where's no doubt from? LA. Yeah, find out. LA. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Actually, Rancid if, is also if, from uh, Berkeley. If anyone so. is interested in Scott, we had a guest on a previous episode of um, Crossfade, who's probably one of the most important <laughs> people in American Scott history, Mike Park, who uh, owns Asian Man Records, one of the big Scott labels, and also was the the founder and you know main guy of Skank and Pickle. Um, oh, nice. He, yeah, he was a super, super nice guy, super knowledgeable of all kinds of like ska and American punk stuff. Uh, so it was a really good episode. I, I encourage people to check that one out if you're interested because he he's like, you know, deep, deep American ska roots for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about ska. Let's talk about it. How, have, it was this, were you kind of like a, a ska kid? Was like that your main thing or? Yeah, so it, it hit me pretty hard in like 11th grade. And uh, I had a, I had a friend who, I sat next to in like English class or something and we would talk about music occasionally and he handed me uh, a CD. He's like, go, go home, listen to this, bring it back in a couple days. And it was uh real big fishes. Why do they rock so hard? And that was just like where I spiraled. So <laughs> I, I, I started grabbing like every real big fish CD I could find um start going to concerts and like learning about all these different bands like catch 22 less than jake uh of course real big fish and uh like there there were so many around that time is what do they consider this the third wave still uh, uh boy. Or like late third wave see that's yeah sky is a weird genre because it, it it's um I actually wanted to talk about that because I feel like it's kind of been this telephone game. Because, like, the original Jamaican sky goes back to, like, the early 60s. Right. And there was kind of, like, the, the second wave, the two-tone stuff out of England in, like, the late 70s, very early 80s. Then there was a third wave, which is, you know, based more in California. And that's some of the bands you're talking about. Maybe, like, mm-hmm. Operation Ivy or, like, Fishbone were kind of before those bands a little bit. But Yeah. So, I, is Street, Streetlight Manifesto, are they, like, third and a half wave or were they, like, a fourth wave? Because <laughs> I, they started I, I, in 2002. And that's really, like the the nineties wave had already well crested and kind of receded by that point, you know? Right. So are they, I, I don't know. Uh, what's weird about, about streetlight is they came from another band or a couple different bands. So like I was really into catch 22, um, who like the, the lead singer and a couple other, uh, members of streetlight came from oh. and actually formed uh streetlight manifesto. And later, uh, actually re-recorded one of Catch 22's like seminal albums. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, oh, so the Catch 22 was more of like a 90s ska band. Like late, very late 90s, I okay. think. Um, they okay. had an album called Keysby Nights that I was very, very into. And then uh, Streetlight formed and then brought out this album uh, that we're going to be talking about, uh, Everything Goes Numb. And it it's like... Very much an evolution of Keys yeah. Nights. Um, okay, so we'll call this like third wave ska plus, like new game plus. Right. Yeah, because um, I don't think it ever really like once like two thousand five, two thousand six hit. I feel like a lot of that that current wave of ska that I was riding on, whatever whatever we want to call it, like started to started to wane pretty hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, also to plug the Mike Park thing again, Jason. You remember he was talking like about like now sort of like a fourth wave like there's a, he said yeah he, it was you know scott kind of faded out pretty pretty hard for a while but now mm-hmm. he said like he's seeing like really young bands like people in their like you know late teens early 20s and stuff so there must yeah. be just like yeah there's, there's gonna be I, a, a new he, wave of it i guess 
I believe he name dropped um Scatoon Network. I forget what their band oh, yeah. is called. Scatoon Network is great. Um, yeah, and it like it started with a bunch of covers, right? Of like Scott covers of more popular rock and pop songs, yep. if I remember correctly. But like that is driving a huge interest in ska. Obviously, like Rosenstock is still on the road doing like ska influenced punk, way more punk than ska. But I mean, I would say it's I don't know if anybody actually talks about it, but probably time to start coming up with another another name for whatever's going on in ska now. Yeah. It's fourth wave. Let's do it. Another yeah. wave. We've planted our flag. <laughs> it's formerly the fourth wave. Um, so we'll get in let's get into the this uh the album Everything Goes Numb by Streetlight Manifesto. Um I guess within Ska, you obviously could have picked Real Big Fish, you could have picked a bunch of bands. Um yeah. what in particular and I have some sort of comments about them too, uh sort of observations, I guess, but um sure. what made them I guess, why did you pick this record in this band as opposed to like, there's, you know, tons of, uh, you know, kind of ska bands of that generation. Yeah. I feel like this is, uh, of the time I'd say the, it, it's the most listenable now. Um, like going back to real big fishes albums from that time, I still like listening to them, but a lot of it's pretty like, uh, in cell, <laughs> like why won't this girl date me? <laughs> sort yeah, of music. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like yeah, I could have I could have come on here with Real Big Fish's Cheer Up, uh, which I really like, or or Why Do They Rock So Hard, which is the album that got me into ska. Um, but I Streetlight always felt like a more grown up version of ska to me, um, and it's I mean you could probably argue it's borderline not ska. <laughs> uh, well, in, that's in some yeah, ways. that's um, what I was gonna say. Um, I mean, well, you know what? We should play some because I think the first song is sure. a, good, a good song, a good introduction, and and it has some some of the things that kind of struck me as like I definitely hear the sky roots of this, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that struck me as like sort of not what I think of when I think of like you know American kind of like ska punk. Right. Um, so why don't we play the first track? Everything went numb. Like this is, but. Mm-hmm. See, they have almost like kind of like a mariachi kind of feel on a lot of yeah. stuff, the horn arrangements. I I always hear it as a little bit Eastern Bloc at times. Mm-hmm. Too. Um, mm. Yeah, like a, what's that gypsy punk band? Uh, damn it, I'm spacing on them. It, it does remind me though. There's a community song that we've got from uh, a member of the community that is essentially in that way Eastern Bloc, like kind of ska folk ish. We'll play that at the end of the episode. Stick around. Go Go Bordello. Oh, that's the one you're thinking of? Uh, There's always this this recurring thing in Streetlight and and Catch-22 of like, almost feels like a heist movie at times, like Hmm. the things that they're describing. Um, The lyrics kind of fly past me in some of these songs just because he's got such a distinctive presentation. What is he singing about in this track? Uh, it sounds like he's, he's singing about sawed-off shotguns. Uh, hold on. I mean, they still have, like, the snares on the two and four, not yeah. the one and three, which is kind of right. like the, the fundamental of, like, Scott reggae. But totally. other than that, you know... It's, it's really building on... It like it it really is like that evolution of the ska that I knew and and like fell in love with and mm-hmm. um, it is in the guitar work it's in the drums it's in the horns but it is a a, a shift 
Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and they also show, there was a song, I think the next song, That'll Be the Day, even shows a little bit of uh, kind of metal influences at the beginning. Even. Oh, sure. Like, it's got kind of a heavier. Was there more in this track you wanted to hear, John, or should we skip to uh, That'll Be the Day? Uh, I think we could skip. Okay, I'll give it a jump. This yeah. is That'll Be the Day. Like, that's almost like a, you know. Yeah. Right. Pantera intro or something. I did want to call out uh, Stuart Karmatz, the drummer. Mm-hmm. Man, he's a good drummer. He's, like, really good. Yeah, I, I think a lot of these guys were, like, they went to music school and were, like... I, I know the, the lead singer is, for sure. Um, so they kind of had the more trained sensibility to them than I think a lot of a lot of uh, punk or ska bands did at that time. Yeah. Well, that's always kind of was the ska joke. It was like, you know, like band kids. Right. High school band kids. That's, that's <laughs> what you know. <laughs> bring, bring your horns. I do want to point out um, the lead singer of this band, Tomas Kalnoki. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that name, but... Um, it says on Wikipedia that he's responsible for the guitar, layout, lyrics, music, photos, producing, recording, and vocals of this record, where most other members just have like one instrument, two instruments associated with them. Is it kind of a one-man show with some features, or is everybody contributing? Is this is this like a communal effort? I don't know when it comes to like the actual composition, um, mm. but he does seem to be the one who's in charge of everything. Um, yeah. he, like He does solo albums as... Uh, I think it's. I think he goes by Toke, mm-hmm. and it's uh, just acoustic versions of these songs. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I've had a couple here. I have a couple more I want sure. to get to. But John, why don't you? Uh, I'm gonna make sure that we get to some of your uh, your faves off this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the next one, uh, point counterpoint, is kind of the crux of the album. I think, um, and something that I see a lot in. Uh, this group's albums is they always have one of these songs that um, feels kind of like an epic in a way. Um, hmm. But yeah, if we want to go to point counterpoint. Yeah, here it is. I got a gun in my hand, but the gun won't cock. My fingers on the trigger, but that trigger seems locked. I can't stop staring at and this kind of reminds me of uh, a Catch-22 song called uh, Keys Be Nights. Mm. And we might play a little bit of that later. But yeah. Reminds me of Rancid a little bit, his vocals here. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not very clean. Uh, but I dig it a lot. This is also... I think the first track on the album that is in a major key. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, ooh, I just dropped something. Uh, <laughs> they do a lot of minor key stuff for a ska band. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, it gives it, them that like, that like very mariachi tone that they can do in a minor key. But yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm nerding out a little bit. That's something I never really caught on to. But yeah, th- this does sound like cheerier, but it is a, Still a rougher subject matter, right? Still energetic, yeah. right? And every time you make a point, make a 
you ever have songs that you listen to over and over and over and you don't think too hard about the lyrics? You love Every it? single song. Tons, yeah. yeah. That's like a lot of streetlight for me. It's like, <laughs> I know the words, but like a lot of it doesn't click. Um, Did you do any poking around for, for this? Or is it another like just experiencing it as you've always experienced it? Uh... For the most part, it's been experiencing it, experiencing it as I've experienced it. But mm. they're like these songs are so dense. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of lyrics. Yeah. Um, He's usually going like at least sixteenth notes on the on the vocals, like digga 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 digga, and just every syllable is is rife with something. Right. And I'm like looking at the lyrics now, and it's a good twelve thousand words. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. That's that's exaggerating, <laughs> like but I have to like um, scroll. Matt, you you must feel for me when I say that's like that's like eleven, twelve blogs. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do. You know, that's another thing um, that you know. Just I'm just contrasting. Like I'm not a ska expert mm-hmm. by any means, but they do. They definitely don't have. Um, the kind of goofiness that some of those bands had, you know, like right. what was that band that was so goofy, like the Aquabats or, or Bowling for Soup? Oh, sure. Jimmy, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, a lot of those like ska bands it was not. I want to say it was comedy, but it was kind of like, hey, we're like wacky guys, we're goofy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, this, uh-huh. these, you know, a lot of these lyrics, the ones that I kind of maybe stick out here and there, seem more, a little more serious. You know, maybe like I mean, Rancid was a little more serious, um, but they were like sort of a little more on the punk side. Um, yeah, they were they were straddling the the line. I, I was listening to uh, Rancid a few weeks ago, and it's it's very much. I I guess I could see the the influence here. Yeah, well, and like, have you heard Op- Operation Ivy? Uh, yes. Yep. So, like, you know, that was they were a little more ska before you know when it, that was his previous band. Um, Oh, that was the dude from Rancid's previous yeah, band? Yeah, Tim Armstrong's oh, band. Yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of this is, like, people in bad situations and someone trying to be uh, supportive and hoping that things are going to go the right way for them. But, like, in the end, it's out of your hands, I guess. Mm. Yeah, they have a lot of, like, kind of multi-part songs, too. You know, it's not just, like, just verse, chorus, verse, maybe bridge, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this song kind of changed it around the halfway point, actually. Into that sort of slower, groovier thing. And now it's back to that. And now he's going to go for, like... You can hear a good example of why I like this album, and it's the bass. <laughs> it's always the bass. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. he's playing like little chords and doing some cute melodic stuff. They have fun with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I guess uh, Helgeson, what's what's your what's your take on this album? Uh, since you had never heard of them before, um, I I guess what what are your um, Overall, I mean, 
overall, like, I'm not a big Scott fan. I'll, I'll yeah. say that, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. But um, one of the good things about the show is, and it's sort of like, you know, I, I engage with stuff mm-hmm. like multiple times that I probably wouldn't normally. You know what I mean? So, right. as, as I got more into it, I, I started to see maybe, or how I imagine they probably stand out um, um, from other ska bands. I think they're a little bit more. Um, musically adept. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. good players, and they kind of do a little. Like I said, I like this sort of like the gypsy jazz kind of like klezmer mariachi stuff a lot. I I, I like mm-hmm. the I like the um. To be honest, I think I like them the <laughs> the less ska they are in a way. You know, sure, not, yeah, not that they're not ska, but I like the the horn arrangements when they're a little more ambitious and a little more like mariachi, like you know, with some like different you know harmonies and stuff going on i think they seem a little bit um and you know like again i'm i'm kind of comparing this to like me hearing like you know two songs by like you know <laughs> less than jake or something oh um, sure yeah but um they and you, you should tell me but they seem a little more like maybe um musically ambitious than what i would associate with with some ska yeah that's that's where i i kind of place them too um it's it's definitely not completely out of the Venn diagram of like punk and ska, but like it, it definitely is more adept than something like a less than Jake or like no effects. Isn't really a, a ska band, but like they're a pretty messy punk band. And yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it like, this is a lot more put together and thought out. I think. Yeah. Uh, what I liked a lot was here's to life. Um, and Jason, this one I noticed I, I had in my notes, the basis really kind of, it goes off on this one, I think. Um, All right. Looking forward to revisiting it here. Here's uh, here's to Life by Streetlight Manifesto. You have a really good uh, oldies radio voice, by the way. Well, thank you. I try. <laughs> but yeah, here I like that kind of more minor key tonality on the mm-hmm. horn stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like the horns really play a part to like fill in the song more as rather than like a lot of ska bands just kind of use horns for like these little breaks and interludes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a little bit more to the horns and they're less annoying, I'd say, than a lot of ska <laughs> tracks are. I, I like that you brought that up because it's a good hit. Um, for a long time, I feel old when I say this, but like listening to radio hits, You'll hear like an instru- interesting instrument. Like I'm thinking of one song that always plays in like clothing stores uh, with with banjo as the lead instrument, and it's like boo do 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 boo do 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 do. I don't forget what the fucking song is, but that's the lead, and it's like this could be any instrument, and the riff would hit the same. But they yeah. chose banjo because it sounds twee. They chose banjo because it is something that people on the radio haven't heard before. There's nothing special about it being banjo. And I'm glad you brought that up for this because it's like these lines are pretty specifically for brass. They're not like you couldn't play these things on a guitar and have it sound the same or have the same impact, right? Right. Unless it's like straight acoustic and you're kind of like hitting a, was... a few different lines at the same sure, time. Sure, sure. Yeah, just hitting the, the, the bass melody. But... Mm-hmm. It almost sounded like a clarinet back there or something too. That might have been a, <sighs> I don't want to guess, but a klez- I, like you were mentioning, klezmer. 
if oh, I remember boy. seeing them live, like they have a lot of horns up there. Uh, yeah, in, yeah. in terms of like people in general, but also like people swapping out instruments during the performance. Yeah. I mean, ska bands are big in general, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you don't have eight people on stage, yeah. what are you doing? If you, if you can't feel the softball team <laughs> of just band members, like, yep. what are you doing? Uh-huh. How are you paying all those people? Who's buying ska albums? Is, is, that, an bring orange that, slices? is that an oboe? I don't really know what it is. That one sounds like a clarinet to me. Okay. Hey there, Salja, what did you do? A lot of literary references that go way over my head. Did he say Hemingway? Uh, I think that's coming up. That was a Salinger. Salinger. Also, a lot of uh, socialist uh, themes, which are pretty good. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I like this little part here. It's kind of like weird. Uh, yeah, I like this part. Is he slapping? Is he slapping the bass? Maybe. God. That was something I spent way too much time learning how to do really badly when I was like 11 years old. <laughs> Slapping the bass. Slapping the bass. Yeah, I don't know. I wanted to be able to do it. Who did you Who did you watch to try and emulate <laughs> slapping the bass? Like, who, who were your uh, slap was icons? Like a, you know, I used to. I was like a dork. I used to buy like guitar magazines and stuff. Uh huh. And I think there was like a little tutorial in one of those or something. Interactive like that. Nice. CD-ROMs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sometimes there was a CD in it. Yeah. yeah. By the way, um, is anybody but, else getting big Monday Night Football vibes from this lead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's a little heroic. Um. <laughs> All right. John, what else uh, What else should we hear before we switch gears? Yeah, I, I think the really the, the next couple songs, uh, it's nice to hear like a, a medley um, that, that takes... Uh, a theme and place it two different ways. So a moment of silence and a moment of violence are the next two songs. And they kind of use uh, a similar uh, architecture for, for its song, but uh, they sound very different. Okay. We'll start with a moment of silence. Really? I'm trying to trick you to play, playing this whole album. Um, <laughs> we're getting close. Please, please, yeah, John, we're, John, we're please, John, we're trying to observe a moment of silence. Oh, excuse Get me. it. Excuse me. Get it. I'm I'm skipping right to the violence. I realize when you guys can't see me not playing the track, it's really hard to convince you that it's a good joke to not just not play the track. <laughs> anyway, the title of the track is A Moment of Silence. I'm going to actually play it now. This is probably like the most traditional like reggae ska kind of beat. Yeah. yeah, it's the closest one. The for most sure. dub, yeah. 
Which is like a part of Ska that's always a little bit weird to me. Um, like, I, the, the reggae influence is definitely there in a lot of Ska bands, but it's leaned more like punk mm-hmm. for uh, for a lot of a lot of bands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is... We'll get to it in the listener question section, but a listener did ask about that, about sort of oh, its good. origins and how it's been uh, adopted and sort of evolved, so to speak, and how right. it reconciles, how, like, I guess fans reconcile that history. Anyway, yeah. that's in our back segment. Stick around, listener. Great. Um, do you want to skip to a moment of violence? Yeah, uh, this is a pretty long song, though. Are there any sections you think we should jump to in moment uh, of silence? It's like five and a half minutes long. I want to give you one last out before we uh, fly through. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything big later. Let me take a quick look. Wow, Revolution's years away. The man really is a communist leader. Yes. He's born. He's born to play the part. I think a lot of the song just kind of chills at this pace. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, kind of different from a lot of their songs. But yeah, they, they do have to follow it up, up. Pick it up, yeah. I think it's kind of a good change of pace on the album, you know? A lot mm-hmm. of pretty breakneck tempos. So, yeah, yes. It is, it is not a short album either. It's like, what, 15, 16 songs? Uh, none of them are like mini songs. No, anyway, it, uh, the closest one is probably A Moment of Violence. Yeah, yeah. Which just plays minutes. off of this. Thank you for uh, introducing it for me, John. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, no problem. Now we're back to the trademark aggression. <laughs> you say that like you're pointing to it on a whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, it's, here's the aggression. In the mind of the manifesto. <laughs> you put up the rebel fist. <laughs> and you play the horns. We named up Hemingway for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I always like songs that I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure like evolved out of like live shows. Mm. Oh, like, totally. That's such a great gimmick. You know, bands love to do that. You know, like they do like the slow part and then they do the same thing like double the pace. You know, it's always like kind of pops in a live setting. I bet that's how this evolved. I cannot imagine. Have you ever seen um, this group live, John? Yeah, I did. Um, Were they pretty they keep it buck up. wild? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I went to... Uh, gosh, I saw them at like UW Lacrosse once, and mm-hmm. uh, we were just... It was just standing room and like this college uh, lounge or something. And so <laughs> like we were just right up front. And That's just rocking wild. out the whole time. It was I, so I much can't fun. imagine. College energy, college hormones, and a bunch of brass. That must yep. have been a wild show. It was it was very wild. Yeah. Streetlight Manifesto, people. 
Well, this was fun. I'm glad we yeah. did this one. It was it was interesting, and I like I said, I my my scout knowledge is not great. Um, and this I feel like this band though, you know, I, I guess I understand why it sticks out. Yeah. And um, so before we figure, I had one more question. Um, sure. <clears throat> excuse me. Where where did these guys go from? This is their first album, correct? Correct. Where did they evolve from here? Did they get even in a more away from ska or did they, you know, kind of stay in this, this sort of mode or return it, to ska? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of in this mode, uh, but it, with different flavors, um, their, their next album, uh, geez, what is, what is it called? Quick. Uh, the next album somewhere in the between is, uh, a little less mariachi. I want to say, uh, compared to this one. Um, but still like very long, very uh aggressive tunes. Um Yeah, I mean it's a it's a pretty similar sound. Okay. Uh they they go on to like I mean they uh like I said earlier, they re recorded Keysby Knights, uh Catch Twenty Two's uh big album. Uh yeah. which it's kind of their their jump back into ska roots. Uh but they've also done like uh an entire cow uh uh, cover album called 99 songs of revolution that was supposed to be uh, i think 11 albums long uh <laughs> and, and covering uh covering nine different uh songs from like various uh places <laughs> in time and it's like they get? uh that one album uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they have they have stuff like uh Hell, uh, skyscraper, punk rock girl, uh, me and Julio down by the schoolyard, Red Rover oh, Wall, wow. yeah. such great heights. Uh, that's that's a fun album to listen to. I don't think it's like their greatest work, but there's some okay. there's some fun covers on there. Man, they and didn't yet- uh, they didn't last. They. <laughs> It's it like was, when a video game, like when a video game announces it's like a trilogy before it even comes out, yeah, and it, they don't know if it's going to sell at all. It's, it's like it kind of reminds me of that. It's uh, it's the Xeno Saga problem. It's you you <laughs> announce eight iterations of this JRPG <laughs> and you only make it to three. Yeah, ouch. Um, yeah, I wanted to give you one chance, John. Uh, yeah. You sent along one or two songs that did you feel like they were important to mention for like the history of this group? Yeah. So. Uh, the the two songs I sent along were uh, "Dear Sergio" and uh, "Keysby Nights," uh, the title album from Keysby Nights, and these are back when uh, these gentlemen were part of Catch Twenty Two, uh, and it's I, you could see the through line uh, in these songs. Um, mm-hmm. I, do you do you have the the Catch Twenty Two versions? Yes, I okay. do. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll play just a little bit of each. Um, sure. And we can see how they compare. Here's. Uh, we'll start with Dear Sergio. But this is definitely more upbeat. Uh, they were. You see where it comes from, though. Yeah. 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 Totally. That's dear Sergio. I've got one more. Keys v Knights, and I promise that one won't explode in yours. Yeah, this definitely has the ska drums to it. 
Okay, yeah, this feels very like 90s Sky Revival to me. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Catch-22 is pretty firmly planted in what people call the third wave, right? Like, it wasn't yeah. questionable. Yeah. And this is the, the song that I would compare to Point Counterpoint as, ah. like, the, the main song on the album, like, the main single. Um, it's usually about uh, someone having a gun and a hole in their chest or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got to write what he knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to cut you off. I've just played a minute and I can pause. No, yeah. that's fine. All righty. Wow. All right. That was hey. uh, Streetlight Manifesto. That was fun. Thanks, John. Yeah. No and uh, now we're going to switch gears. Uh, quite a gear switch to my pick, <laughs> Nolan Potter. Um, so this is one, honestly, uh, I don't know that much about this guy. Um, I, you know how, when you play an album on Spotify, it just starts playing kind of stuff that it thinks you would like or similar to what you just played. This was a result of that. Like, I don't know what I was listening to. I don't remember, but he, this came on. I'm like, wow, that's cool. And then it sort of went on. I'm like, oh, weird. That's okay. You know, kind of, cause it, a lot of these songs sort of evolve over the course of like, you know, six or seven minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just loved it. And so like, I, I got on. Got online, checked it out. It was on a record label called Castle Face Records that I really like a lot. And so I was like, hell, I'll just buy it. And so I bought the vinyl and I've been listening to it a lot. And actually, I bet that sounds kind great. Of, yeah, uh, it's been one of the records the last few months that I've just kind of um, been into. Um, I believe he's from Texas. Um, I know that he played. The thing that's really impressive about this when you hear it is like, uh, listen to this with the the fact in mind that he played all the instruments on this record himself. Oh like, my God. Everything on this record is Nolan Potter. Um, he has a live band, but um, the albums he just does in his house, I think, which is, I think makes it even more uh, impressive, obviously. It's pretty so, stunning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess let's just start the first album. When I, when I flees Aquapolis. Um, it's a Greek word, man. It means city of water. If I can be I know a that resident Greek correspondent. I don't want to blow any. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks, John. Yes, thank you. I don't want to blow up anyone's spot. I think Nolan Potter smokes pot. What? What? Yeah, what? I'm just, just going to say that. that one? I'm just going to say that he might experiment with other drugs too. I it's bet. in his name. <laughs> exactly. uh, he, he is a Potter. Oh God. Okay, let's just play the fucking. Music. <laughs> yeah, this is good. One Eye Flees Aquapolis by Nolan Potter from Music Is Dead. We'll find out if that's true after this episode. It's so chill. Yeah. But the lyrics are imperceptible. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very dreamy kind of psych, psych pop stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I like that for this song that it's like oh, yeah, totally. his voice is just like, you don't have to know the words, um, but it's very much like another instrument on the track. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know much of the lyrics to this record, actually. <laughs> Every no, once in I, a while, like, some free, phrase will stick out like, oh, okay. Like I looked about this afternoon, I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I don't need to know that. Well, he deliberately kind of, he makes them very washy and kind of part of the whole thing. You know, they, they don't really stick out that much. Right. 
where in, where in other tracks on this album they definitely do i think it's where he wants them to they do mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This is just—I love this song. This is very lazy summer yeah. day kind of thing. Every mm-hmm. song on this track has like a different vibe, but the same vibe. Yes, I would agree with that. I know. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's often like they this... have a different vibe within the same song. Right. Yes, right. I, I love when the songs change pretty dramatically. There are a lot of parts I want to eventually, if I can, call out because like they're unified by that very '60s '70s psych production style, which mm-hmm. I'm amazed that he can get in his own house. But like the next, I think it's the next song, "Stubborn Bubble," that has like, like a straight up like hard rock, like early metal uh, riff yeah, that leads it, yeah. which is just a wild change from this track. I love it. Yeah, let, we can hear that because um, that that's sort of he does have some heavier mode kind of stuff that is very like early seventies heavy rock. Mm-hmm. Reminds me a little bit of a guy named Ty Segal who who's well, sort yeah, of yeah. in this vein a little bit. Yeah, he's done music with oh who another artist that I like was it. I forget. Uh, but he, I know that he's collaborated with a lot of artists that I like, too. Uh, okay. Do you want to jump from One Eye to uh, Stubborn Bubble now, or is there another part of the sure. song you want to hear, too? No, this. I think we kind of got the vibe of this one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Here we go. The guitar reminds me a little of some Jack White, almost, too. Yeah. Exactly. See, I always feel embarrassed talking about Jack White, because he's like... A weirdo, and he's kind of into Jordan Peterson and some other oh, stuff that's not oh, great. Really? But, no, but, I'm, but I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to ruin him. Like, it came up once in an interview, and he's like, "Let's just not talk about it again." And then he didn't talk about it again. So I was like, <laughs> great. "Probably, probably, yeah." Can we talk um, about the time you were Elvis and Walk Hard? <laughs> that's that's what I want to know about. One of the greatest music movies of all time. Oh, Walk it's hard. so it's so good. All right, class, can you tell me what meter this is in? Count it out. I have no idea. I I don't get to be haughty about many things in my life, and this is is one of the few. (laughs) This is in 7-8, which is a pretty common, like, site prog time uh, signature. But, man, it's... It hits here. That that that's just so good. I don't know. That Jason, tone I told is you just... there's only two time signatures. There's four four and weird four four. I forgot. I got a failing grade on my own test. That's why I didn't take choir after ninth grade. I <laughs> didn't care about the details. Is this how you got cool, John? Uh, uh, quit choir. Uh, became a manager of a high school ska band. Oh my uh, god! Then got fired. Um, <laughs> oh, ouch! Yeah, it was not great. Bad fall. Wait, fr- from the from the Scott oh, band? Sorry. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I'm listen, sorry, John. That's all that we're gonna be talking Doug, about. What? No, it was, it was high school. Uh, I didn't make it to a battle of the bands uh, competition, oh, and the uh, the the, the, uh, <laughs> the saxophone player uh, decided to oust me from the gym. From, <laughs> They John, I'm almost in like in my head. Band. I'm imagining all this happening to like Michael Sarah. Yes, it, I was working at a subway at the time, and I was told while I was working uh, behind the counter. Oh, that's so. Oh, no, man. wait. Uh, they came. They came into the subway and told you you were fired. Yeah, from someone. The band? Well, one of the guys said, "Like, I think the battle oh, of the bands yeah. is happening down the street." Anyways, the band's name was Chicken Poodle Soup. Uh, shout out to uh, all those guys. 
they, okay, they made some we're good talking music. over the song, but I don't care. This is too good. <laughs> you got fired by chicken poodle soup. Yeah. Also, it. they're in high school. They think like, you know, we're really expecting a little more label interest, John. You know, uh, you're not doing you know, enough for the we're band. We're not really on tour. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't see you out there on MySpace plugging. Oh yeah, in our oh, show. Yeah. You know, you're you're, our top eight is not curated very well. They come oh in and God. they say, John, hang up your checkered vans. <laughs> yeah, did you have to turn them in? Like, no, I mean, there were Chuck Taylors. Thank you. Okay. Um, okay. Did you have a, uh, like a sky hat you thing. had to turn in? Like the little kind of round sky no, hat? No, I, did. I didn't have a sky hat. I did have, uh, I think, like like those sweatbands and shit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just some, some Chuck Taylors and some, uh, like a vest, maybe. At the time, anyways, uh, the okay, song yeah, is I feel great. as a host, I gotta rein this back, but yeah, I'm sorry. I, I do not <laughs> we, regret a listen, minute of off what we mic, just did because we'll that chicken going. poodle soup will stick with me for life. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh man, that's why I make podcasts. Um, but here, here's a, here's an example like where a lot of these songs kind of transition, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, into like yeah, something a totally different feel. I was telling Jason, I've listened to this mostly kind of on vinyl while it's just kind of like cleaning the house and working and stuff, so. I actually thought there was way more than six songs because some of these <laughs> these transitions I thought were like different songs. Yeah, and like listening to this, I like I was I was kind of uh, I was kind of worried giving you an album with like twice as many songs, but like listening to this, it's very dense and complicated and uh, pretty masterfully put together. And it's I've been listening to it mostly in the car, and it's fantastic just for driving around. And just chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this part's really trippy. Um. <clears throat> well, what the- uh, you've been listening to what? Like, what would you? Uh, where do you want to go from here on this? Uh, let's see. I I think he starts getting. He starts having a little bit more fun with like Gregorian chants, which is the next song. Um, which is a fun pun uh, on the vocal treatment that is used for maybe 10 seconds total in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let me get my mouse over to where it belongs, and we'll play Gregorian Chance. Again, that's not Chance, listener. Chance. Chance. By Nolan Potter. I could see that being sampled for a really dope, like, hip-hop beat. Yeah. Just, uh, make a... Have you ever listened to uh, Ocarina of Rhyme? Yes. No. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. It, it seems like... Oh, you haven't heard that? No. Just the puns on this episode are just crazy, but I guess <laughs> we're, we're in a sky thing, so... <laughs> yes. Uh, but that was a an album that is sampling Ocarina of Time songs, but oh, putting it cool, to yeah. Jay-Z? I think, or just a bunch of different rappers. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, it's very good. I think we should have John back to talk about Ocarina of Rhyme if he knows it. Because if, <laughs> if Matt doesn't know it, that's a perfect. I, I, feel check like it out. I will check it out. I am honored to have stumped you on uh, Streetlight, by the way. Yeah. No, I, I, I truly, I don't think I'd heard of him. Yeah. No, I'll tell you. I, I yeah. was surprised that he hadn't heard, at least heard of them. I love the way he treats his vocals with all these like kind of weird reverb effects and stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a little Beck-like. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, especially like, mutations. That album. Yeah. Like this from this guy, I get a lot of either Beck or a little bit of Ben Folds. Hmm. Kind of. Uh, I don't mostly, hear that too much. Mostly in the the last song, I'd say. Oh, there is that one that starts with a kind of a con- pretty conventional piano thing. You're right. Mm-hmm. Holy scroller. There's definitely Good some hooks. flutes on this record, which I appreciate. Yeah, there's a part I have a timestamp for later in this song um, where the flutes kind of take over. They become like the lead. It sounds really beautiful. Is it here? Jethro Tull feel. Oh, no, I didn't. I Listen, I'm just following, guys. If you want <laughs> me to jump to my timestamp, you let me know. Oh, hey, jump to it. <gasps> All right, I'm going to jump to about 3 minutes 40 seconds. This oh, is yeah, cool. Actually, it's like a jazz lead. Could, I, could you go yeah. a little bit before? Because my timestamp was 3.15. Okay, I'll jump there. 3.15-ish. Here we go. So, he's a great guitar player, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, his leads are awesome. But, like, I just want to point out that, you know, a lot of people can do, like, the kind of, you know, bedroom album and stuff. It tends to be more singer-songwriter. Like, to really have this, like, sound like a real like chemistry of like people playing live together like drums bass and guitar to recreate that kind of feel like a real live feel for as one person that seems yeah. like it would be like extraordinarily hard to do you know i never would have guessed this was a one-man album ever no me either no, no. same it really does have that cohesion and like playfulness like you like he is playing with other people mm-hmm. and he's he's really good at all the instruments i mean he's a good bass he's a great bassist, he's a great drummer yeah. he's a great guitar player mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. keyboardist and then all these like if he's playing flutes i mean like an extraordinarily talented guy how did you find him matt i just told you yeah he found his complete random like suggestion yeah yeah Oh, I, th- I thought you meant that you listened to it a bunch and it gave you, like, that you had found it elsewhere and it gave you the recommendation of other music like it, but no. No, no, like, I was listening to some album and this auto-played after some album I was listening oh, to. Oh, okay, And I was okay. just like, whoa, what the hell is this? And, you know, it doesn't happen often, but I was kind of, like, uh, struck and yeah. then I checked it out and ordered it, so, yeah. Sick. This is not the end of the track. We're about a minute away from that. If there's anything you wanted to hear in this track, I think it may be just, like... Oh, I, li- I love the false ending. Yeah. Yeah, his arrangements are really pretty stunning to me. It's like early craft work. Oh yeah, pre like I mean like synth. early, early, yeah, like yeah, yeah, pre yeah, the, pre the, plugging the in the their instruments. Cone craft album. Work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, yeah. I guess why don't we just go to the next one? I mean, we're not sure. gonna listen to all these because they're pretty long, but there's yeah, not that sure. many songs on this album. So Holy Scroller has a l I this maybe I could see a little bit what you're talking about with the Ben Folds Five thing, sure. Because it, it does. This is probably like sometimes he almost gets this sort of like '70s like AM pop kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, like. All right, here's Holy Scroller. Yeah, I can see that. Why yeah, don't you mean? yeah.
I like how much he moves around to different instruments, too. Like, not everything's just, like, severely guitar-based. Like, this right. one definitely has the piano lead. Yeah, and it's fun that that's almost a perfect inverse of Streetlight, where Streetlight is like, you got the guitar, you got the drums, the bass, you got the horns. And it's yeah. like, every song's going to have those. And this is like, it's- I've got a room full of instruments and things to record them with. We're going to go. It's not I wish I could have done something like this over COVID. <laughs> yeah, you, just, yeah, just no the motivation kidding. is all yes. you were lacking. Not to plug my own shit. No, I don't Please. even know if I can plug this shit. I, I wrote and recorded one song for, I think it was for Better Quest, actually. Uh, another show on the MinMax banner, um, then with Jeff Cork. Uh and I was really, like, I'll tell you, I was really, really proud of it. It's just a shitty, like, minute 45 pop punk thing. Just whatever came to my mind first. But just putting down music, just, like, putting it out somewhere felt incredible, John. If you know how to play oh, anything, if you know how to put, it down, to put it together any music, I cannot recommend it enough. Just, no, I, I didn't get the chance. I, I was fired years ago. Um, <laughs> was that your last foray in music? Was Chicken Poodle music. Soup? Yeah, it was it's really, like, that's when I just gave up on music and just turned to podcasts. And, uh, never turned back. <laughs> Another man right. driven to podcasting <laughs> by a, a hard life. I feel, I feel like that's that's happen. actually happened to me though. Is I've I have lost like a decade of listening to music just because I've switched over to podcasts mostly. Wow. Um. About. Oh, that was that guitar part was cool. Sorry. Yes. It yes. Uh, but this is definitely in my rotation now. Same. Yeah, it's kind of addictive Same. to me because I, I tend to notice different things every time I play it. There's just so much to these layers to this that I, I find it really fascinating. Did you find yourself scratching a certain like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard itch with this, Matt? Yeah, I can see that. Are you a fan of them? Me? Uh, I'm a I don't, fan. I'm not a super fan. I mean, I know I'm, I've listened to them. I, you know, mm-hmm. there was a period of time where I think I was just resistant because I hated the name so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what is this shit? And then I finally heard him like, oh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> so then uh, I think by that time, I'd sort of like missed their like, you know, initial foray or whatever. My, yeah. uh, my brother-in-law is a musician and uh, he lives down in Nashville. But like we saw him a couple of weeks ago and he specifically recommended those guys to me. Nice. But yeah, I could hear some parallels for sure. That kind of, you know, psychedelic feel. And yeah. they're a little more aggressive, aren't they, Jason? Uh, it depends on the album. I was just about oh, to say really? like, if you don't know if you like them, you will find out quickly how, what from them you do like when you start listening because they've got like uh, sort of an early heavy metal album. They've got very folky stuff. They've got very psyche stuff. They've got okay. very like noise yeah, they, stuff. It's just they've released so much fucking music that they move around one a lot, to the right? Night. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah. they change like what they do pretty often. They made a whole album, maybe two, full of like microtonal music because they had a special guitar made that oh, could yeah, play like microtones. Oh yeah, 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 like yeah. like half frets and like not going all, all the way across the board frets and stuff. Um, it's fascinating. I really love listening to that music. But there are albums where I'm like, this one's just not for me. But I know the next one's going to be a ringer. You know, they're here in yeah, October. Interesting. I know, and tickets. It's I think sold tickets out. Are gone. Yeah. yeah, because I missed tickets before the pandemic struck, and then <laughs> right after. 
like the venue moved and they kept postponing it. And I was like, maybe some tickets will open up. It never opened up. Everybody who bought tickets to that show had better fucking be at that show because I'm not going to watch there be empty space and I can't be there. Are they the new, uh, are they the new Grateful Dead? Whoa. Mm, uh, no. Matt, no? <laughs> you take that one. I don't think so. All right. I think the dead. The... I don't think they tour enough. <laughs> well, I mean, true. the dead just were permanently the still on tour tours. for like. Well, yeah, they, you know, most of them are dead, and they still tour. John yeah. Mayer's in it now. Oh, really? Yeah, dead and friends. Yeah, yeah, he's in. Right. The, he's in like the Dead and Company thing. Nice. All right, let's. We should go to Preeminent Minds, the next song. This is a little yeah. bit mm-hmm. back to the heavier kind of like heavy rock vibe, which is cool. Yeah. All right, here we go. Still like funky 60s, 70s beat. Mm -hmm. I hear this song is probably the most, and he recalls some Zappa without the things I don't like about Zappa, but Mm. this was probably the most Zappa, Frank Zappa song to me. Definitely. Like the, what's coming up, the, especially the vocal line here. Like this. Like that That's kind sort of, of vocal stilted, delivery. half speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like Bowie ish a little. Um, yeah, I can hear that. Where, that's why I was surprised to hear that he was from Texas because, like, this kind of has uh, some British sensibilities to his vocals. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But pretending to be British is a great tradition in American. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Like that so Zappa right there. Yeah. Resorted. <laughs> I was listening Rachel to my daughter Archie. and I did Yeah, oh I didn't that line didn't stick out to me until I was like making dinner with my daughter. And I was like, oh okay. Of course that's why. <laughs> I hope he doesn't repeat that ever. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that's super Zappa to me. Like that kind of almost that's when, like, Zappa, he, like, is, is a little bit too, like, I'm such a clever boy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I did want to go to 257 because there's some just, he's, he's such a good guitar player, and I think his leads are, like, really inventive and melodic. Yeah, um, yeah. He's got chops, there, but I don't think he overdoes it. It's just, um, there is some a part great guitar work here. Just before 250, so, okay. or sorry, before 257, but I do have a supplementary um, clip for that, so... If I can just take a, maybe 30 oh. seconds of your time. Wow. Here, yeah, here we go into, into the sec- segment at 2.50. I want you to listen closely, if you can, to what the bass line is doing. Boom, boom, listen, boom. listen. Okay, so I'm really happy with that bass line. Real cool. Yeah, it's good. Take a listen, if you will. To this music from Wind Waker, the ocean theme. Oh my god. Wow. It's the same thing. It Guys, is. Guys, it's the same thing. It's so good. Yeah. I could not. I, Matt is like, yeah, Jason, that's real yeah, nice. That's, that's no, I mean, I yeah, hear it. Yeah. Your Zeldas are really nice. I mean, like, Nolan Potter is like, a, I mean, it, it's very possible. He he's was, what, a millennial? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, just, I mean, most people are from all generations have played Zelda at this point, you know, so. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, that's my that's my bit of little little to do video game. Yeah, moment. totally. I hear, uh, I'll I hear jump it for back sure. to where you wanted to talk about the guitar. Here we go. <laughs> it's very hard selling Z- uh, Zelda music. It's funny. <laughs> Here we go. 
I just love these lines. Yeah, this is beautiful. I it's mean, fun I, progression. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ta-da-da. Yeah, and almost the halfway point, we're back at one of the main riffs. It's very medieval. Yeah, it's, it's got a little Renaissance fair vibes yeah. to it at times. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's let's keep it rolling here. We'll do the final song, Music is mm-hmm. Dead. Um, Finally, someone someone's brave enough to say it. Exactly. To kill music. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Now we're a little back at this kind of cool, like, psychedelic pop thing that he does as well. Mm-hmm. very like discordant compared to some of his other stuff mm-hmm. well it uses that to build tension toward like the next resolution which is the end of every line feels like sort of a, a, a breath of relief I, I don't know it's it's very yeah. well structured song for as like lazy as it sounds and as charming as it sounds it's very like thoughtfully constructed yeah there's definitely some like fancy chords mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I mean, I brought it up a couple times, but I just really try to think about like sitting down as one person and like, what do you record first? You know? Yeah. Like, I just, it's mind boggling to me to like start from nothing as one person. Then you end up with like these songs with no other musicians, you know? It is bizarre, but he actually like, this song is a little bit about that. He, uh, one of his first lines was, um, the coffee's getting cold, and the premise, too, is getting old. My Macintosh time machine, it skips a beat. So you're saying this is art? I really like the squiggly part. Oh, you play the clarinet? Well, we should jam. <laughs> like he's literally singing about being a musician who works alone in this song. It, it rocks. All right, we got this. I think at four 420... Whoa! Hey, oh, changes to a, a different kind of part. That's pretty okay. cool. Lot, lot more flutes coming up. Love it. More flutage. Flute alert. It gets into like hidden messages and stuff. Creepy shit. Yeah, there's that kind of weird creepy. <laughs> <laughs> About to fight. Genova. <laughs> I actually could see our RPG music being like an influence on this guy for sure. That'd be pretty cool. I don't know. 
Yeah, that creepy voice is yes. awesome. I mean, this is like Jethro Tull levels of flute on this album. It is. I didn't think about it until you pointed it out, but yeah. yeah. I was trying to think of what instrument it was. I'm like, is this like a piccolo or something? But yeah, it's definitely flute. Mm-hmm. You just don't hear a lot of rock flute these days. No. You never really did, but... <laughs> By the way, guys, I'm, the right just go- <laughs> I'm just Googling him out of, you know, just, I don't know, content. Um, he looks exactly like you think he looks. <laughs> he looks British, weirdly. Yeah, he does. He's got that, like, mod haircut. Yeah, sort of the, the very toothy smile. Looks like the third Gallagher brother. <laughs> Looks like a Mike Myers character. <laughs> Is he part of the Pentefret? <laughs> oh God! Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. You see this guy? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I, making I fun of him. I'm, I'm just saying no, like no, there's it's a, a def- definite aesthetic he's got going on. <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't want the guy that made this record to like be wearing sweatpants and like a t-shirt or something. No. You know, I'd want I want him to look like that. You want to confirm what you think about him, yeah? Yeah, goatee shaped head. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a musical journey with Nolan Potter. Music is dead. Um, I'm glad we got to discuss this. This is I, it's one of the great things about music, and and you know we we talk about the downsides of streaming some, and you mm-hmm. know it's good to remember that there are some like really great upsides to streaming of being exposed to music that you never would have even known about, um, having access to so much music, and uh, yeah. You know, this this was a nice surprise for me, and it's it's really probably turned out to be one of my favorite albums of the last couple of years. So, is, yeah. is this you guys his to hear only it. album? I believe he had an album before this. Okay, I think he may have released it with a previous group or another group. Nolan Potter's Night. Nope. Oh, the Nightmare Band. Yeah, I think Spotify direct redirects both yes. to the same list. Anyway, yeah, I'm sure he's got more music than this, but this is definitely oh, what yeah, he's his, known actually, best he's got for. Quite point, a bit right? on his Bandcamp. I'm on it right now. Cool. Um, it looks like a lot of kind of weird, like cassette stuff, and you know that, that which kind of scans as well. Yeah, sounds like your thing, Matt. Um, you gonna get back into cassette tapes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, finally, we've been kind of uh, n- neglectful of this, but we have some reader questions. Uh, John, mm-hmm. can you stick around? Oh, absolutely. I've got all the time in the world. Yeah. Have you uh, really? Well, then we've got some questions from the community. Uh, thanks, John, for sticking around for them. Uh, of let me navigate up to them so that we can actually start asking them. Thank you so much to everybody who left a question. Uh, we leave these before every episode, before we record every episode, rather, at patreon.com slash minmax. We'll find out who our guest is and what music we're listening to. And you get to ask questions and suggest songs for us to listen to. Uh, all of those songs make it onto the Spotify Crossfade community playlist. Uh, and the, and we have time for one at the end of every every episode. I won't spoil what we've got for this one, but we've picked one song to play to be played out on the outro of this episode. Um, hey, get involved. Uh, we are in the Discord. There's a special Discord for CrossFade, another one for music where people are sharing some of their favorite music. I found some of my favorite bands in the last few years through that Discord. Uh, so check it out. It's a lot of fun, and any level of contribution gets you access to uh, the CrossFade uh, specific posts and the Discord itself. But of course, this show is, and as long as I have uh, blood in my body, will remain free for everybody to listen to, whether you're a Patreon subscriber or not. Uh, all right. That is, <laughs> wow. I don't know how many promises I've made. I haven't talked to Ben about that. So maybe, maybe I'll put a big old have like a, a overall sword fight about this. Uh, well, me and Ben have sort of been eyeing each other from across the bar, sort of <laughs> okay. fingering, right. with, with yeah. fingers on the trigger for a couple Two. of years now. Two uh, podcast gunslingers. We'll see. Sizing uh, each other I, up. I, 
I don't trust that he's got a faster clicking finger than mine. But uh, anyway, I should get to the actual reason that we do this segment of the yeah, show. Yeah. Uh, the first one comes from Mike Lynch, who asks, uh, do you have someone in your life that you struggle to find music that you can both agree on? Uh, John, we'll start with you, because I know that currently you are married. Yeah, uh, it's, it is mostly my wife. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> Wait, wait, do you want to take that back? It is mostly what? Um, my wife. My wife. He's trying to there get you to do go. that. Uh, yes. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. And, and it's, she has so much better taste in music than I do. Uh, cause I will just like throw on a uh, streetlight or real big fish or something. And she, she will tolerate for a while. Like it, this usually only comes up on like road trips and, mm-hmm. uh, I'm the one who's driving. So I kind of get, uh, control of the radio for mm. most of the time, but uh, whenever she puts on one of her playlists, it is evident that I am uh, real bad at making playlists, and she's so much better and has much better taste in music. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's mostly that. Like I, I fall on old favorites a lot more than new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of goes okay. back to what we were talking about earlier about how I did kind of leave music behind and, and like switch the podcasts, and that has hurt my. Uh, I guess my uh, would you say that it's hurt your musical horizons and maybe you need them expanded more often? <laughs> yes, always. Always <laughs> podcast. Hmm. I'll huh. keep an eye out for any uh, stuff huh. for any resources yeah. I know about about expanding those. Uh, but then is there any like is there a surefire one where it's like God, I cannot stand what you're listening to. God, I can't stand what you're going to listen to. We'll listen to this just to pass the time. Are there any of those compromise albums for you guys? I mean, usually it's like the 70s road trip playlist on Spotify. So Hell it's yeah. a lot of like uh, Chicago and Bowie and what like Hall-N-Oats. Rolling Stones, Hall and Oates. Uh, that's that's one of her favorite bands ever. So uh, that's that's always a good one to go to. But nice, nice. Yeah. How about you, Matt? Anybody? Um, I mean, do you know anybody yeah, my, uh, you know, uh, talk to about music pretty regularly and you just kind of can't stand their uh, thoughts, views, opinions on them? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> I, you know, my girlfriend, Jen, I, I mean, she doesn't, you know, she likes music and we definitely share some stuff. Um, but she's just not like, she's like a normal human being. So she's not like, <laughs> oh, uh, natural information society. Quadruple vinyl. <laughs> Like for the new national anthem, drop. you know, or you know, well, she she likes uh the, that wax uh, a album she loves a lot, which I like. You know, I, mm-hmm. that's that's a cool record. Um, she'll listen to anything I play. It's just like she's not. She just has a normal relationship to music. She has music that she likes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, she listens to the radio occasionally. Well, Catch- yeah. Now I think more just like Spotify playlists and okay. stuff like that, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, we don't have conflict about it, and she's very open to listening. But she's just not the type of person that like spends her day like reading weird online reviews of albums that like eight hundred people buy or whatever, you know. Yeah, getting so, mad which at is, the and it doesn't. As, as I get older, that I don't really think it's that that's that meaningful, honestly, mm-hmm. to me. Um, that that cool. you know, people like whatever music they like, and I don't, you know. Uh, I don't know. It's just, I think maybe if I was younger, maybe it would have been a bigger deal, but it's really not that big of a deal to me now. Right. Yeah. It's not no skin off of your teeth. If somebody doesn't like a thing that you like or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, okay. John Jensen has two questions. Uh, first is, is music part of your work day and how does it help? Uh, John says, I've found myself reducing the number of podcasts I listen to and transitioning more to music and it's having a calming effect. Um, John, it sounds like the perfect inverse of what you've done to your listening habits over the yeah. last few years. Yeah, and it's it's really kind of trashed what I think would have been a great 
companion for me uh, with with writing all the time. I just mm-hmm. don't listen to music or anything while I'm writing. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, and it's it's. I don't know if I would like focus on it too hard or not, but like a lot of music for me for me while working used to be when I'd be doing like very mundane tasks. Like I used to uh, be a head projectionist at a movie theater, so I would just like put on a CD or whatever and uh, just jam out to something while I was spooling together a movie. Um, and then and then I ended up like working for places where I'd have to drive everywhere. And so I'd spend hours of my day in the car and like, that's, that's perfect for music. But, mm-hmm. uh, like when I transitioned to, uh, to writing full time, yeah, for whatever reason, like every, every like couple of months I'd put on, uh, like a game album or something and I'm like, oh, this is great. I should do this more often. And then the next day I just don't. Okay. So, interesting. Yeah. I'm kind of the... I listen to podcasts. I tend to do that more like when I'm walking the dog. I try to give the dog a long walk in the morning. Like if I'm doing stuff like cleaning the house, things like that. When I'm actually working and like writing or whatever, I tend to listen to music. But it has like we've talked about this on different episodes. But it's, I feel like it's changed some of my listening habits to more mellower stuff, mm-hmm. more instrumental stuff, just because like. I couldn't write to Streetlight Manifesto. You know what it, I mean? No, right. just like, just <laughs> that, jabbering and just you know, like or I can't. Like I love, I love hip hop totally, but I can't. Mm-hmm. It's just too much. You know, the vocals are too distracting for me. So it's definitely changed yeah. to like maybe more atmospheric kind of instrumental stuff or like jazz music and stuff like that. But for sure, yeah, I I, I kind of need music because I I don't like to be alone with my thoughts. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or else they end up on the page in a yeah, weird, yeah. sick kind of way. Yeah, keep it uh, inside. Cool. Well, I'll ask John's other question because it seems like another short form one. John also asks, uh, what is your favorite dumb, quote unquote, song that you can't justify, but you just kind of love? Uh, John's is 99 Luftballoons. It doesn't matter if it's the original or the English language covers. It always makes John smile. So by that metric, just dumb, lo- fun, light, airy, poppy type stuff that doesn't have a whole lot of depth or body, something you don't need to sink your teeth into, but you still have a lot of fun with. Um, John, does anything stick out to you? Uh, off the top of my head, if I mean, 99 Cliff Balloons is great. Great that choice. Is a song. Uh, that is a great say. song. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in just about every iteration I've heard, it's a, it's a great song. Um, maybe, uh, was it 500 Miles? Oof. Um, yeah, you mean the one. I would uh, walk Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. That yeah, one, that, that, I don't hate that song, but there's certain songs I can't listen to because, like, the, the earworm quality of them yes. yeah, is yeah. too much. It just yep. it, it kind of is maddening to me if I hear it, then I'll just kind of have that, ah, damn it, now it's going to get in my head. Yeah, there's, like, <laughs> there, there's not a lot of depth to it. It is very much, uh, like, the the chorus is that song. And it's something that I've liked since I was, like, four or five or something. Uh, it's kind of like a deep-seated childhood yeah. memory uh, but that that would definitely be one yeah um yeah i kind of reject the premise i guess you know I, I feel like a lot of great rock and roll is dumb you know to yeah. a certain degree and i don't think that's a you know like the ramones are kind of dumb but they're kind of clever you yeah. know or, yeah or like acdc is kind of dumb but you know I, I love that and tons of just like throwaway great one hit wonders i think you know great singles are, are could be kind of maybe dumb or considered dumb or not sophisticated but i, I don't think that that's I don't know. I, don't, I guess I would sort of reject the idea that 
even 99 left balloons is, is, is it dumb? I mean, kind of in a way it's sort of corny, but it's also yeah. a really great hook. It's really like mm-hmm. people, you know, people still know what it is. Like you guys born probably after the song was even out, know what it is, you know? So it's, it's, totally. it's definitely uh, lasted longer than some like, you know, progressive rock records that were supposedly super like sophisticated or whatever. So, and yeah, I, I even know it in like bad. two different languages. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. what other song has done that? Yeah, yeah um, the OG German version. Yeah, or the uh, Goldfinger yeah. version that just splits the difference and does it <laughs> half in English and half in German. Wow, that's a pretty good bit, actually. Uh, it is a certain value judgment on you know on John's part, but uh, I think the spirit of the question is is still there. That like it doesn't need to be super meaningful to you in order for it to have meaning, so to speak. Like yeah, you don't even know, you know what it's saying. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. Um, but for I, me, I think that a lot of great little throwaway pop songs are are just amazing songs, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pork and Beans by Weezer just can't be beat for that exact <laughs> reason. Uh, <laughs> Cruel to it's, be it's kind. A- <laughs> I, uh, God, what is that dude's name? It always, that's one that always pops up on like that 70s, uh, that 70s road trip list. Nick Lowe? Yeah, yep. Uh, which with uh, one of the weirdest album arts I've ever seen. Uh well, unfortunately, I'm on Google right now. Yep, I'm seeing What's Labor on? of Lust, Cru- Cruel to Be Kind. Oh yeah, Cruel Nicola. to Be Kind for show. Jason, I put that on that Power Pop mix when we did oh, that one episode. Yeah, yeah. That's on. Did it. he it's, did he do the song Noted by Reality song. too? What's that? Maybe I'm forgetting. There, I feel like there's a song. Anyway, it's, it's not for this. Not for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that was uh, John's questions. Uh, well, John Jensen's questions. Mm-hmm. Put your hackles right back down there, John Carson. Well, hey, hey uh, uh, if you didn't you didn't ask me to bring questions. <clears throat> yeah, um, you didn't get the second email, I guess. Oh no! Uh, but whatever. Uh, ben Hansen of MinMax, uh, founder. Uh, yeah, well, you should meet this guy. Uh, he's a real son of a bitch. <laughs> Seems okay. Um, ben Hansen uh, says, "Hey, I saw a seven-year-old girl <laughs> at an ice cream shop the other day wearing a Pink Floyd T-shirt. It was the dark side of the moon cover over a pink shirt. Is that cool or not?" <laughs> I think I it's guess, cool. Yeah, that's very Matt, cool. Matt, explain why that's cool. Uh, just because I think it's 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 cute that she's wearing it. I think it's funny that the pink thing because I like I'm, I love Pink Floyd. Like, yeah. I, I don't think you could possibly take yourselves more seriously than Pink Floyd takes themselves. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like they're not a band with a great like sense of humor about themselves. Uh, so I think that just the fact that she, it's a, a bright pink one would probably like irritate Roger Waters or something. I love like that. that. So I think that's funny. Taking the uh, piss out of it, it does sound like a little bit like a shirt. Like you're walking through Shibuya and seeing all the bootleg shirts, and it's just like slapped onto a glittery pink shirt. Yeah. It seems like the most inappropriate thing possible. That does. And she probably just thought it was cool, like that prism thing on pink. Like she probably didn't even really know it was. And you pink know what? Floyd. She's right. It is cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a great. It's a great oh, visual. Really, like most things that Pink Floyd brings out, like visually look cool for anyone who's like twelve and under. Mm-hmm. Um, my mm-hmm. dad had like. Oh, like the Animals album, or he oh, had yeah, like a that. he had like a a box set. I think it was for Pulse um, that had a little red flashing light <laughs> right. on the edge. Um, yeah, it was oh. like <laughs> on the CD, right? On the it CD, like, on the CD, yeah, 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 yeah. On, on the case, on like, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was awesome, which yeah, is I very that. very cool. Um, sure. I would say it, would, uh, it is only not cool to wear a Pink Floyd shirt if you are between the ages of like sixteen and twenty. And it's really mm. because, like, we get it. You like drugs, um, and that's what you're trying. <laughs> and you're like taking it super seriously, right? You're like, oh yeah. man, these two these two young souls living in a fishbowl. Uh, <laughs> I really feel those oh, lyrics. Um, that's actually it. Oh. Like people people uh, drawing little little fish 
um, in a bowl that are it's not fish related. Um, is there some uh, chicken poodle soup trauma built up here? Is okay. was there some reason? Did, were they big fans? <laughs> no, of- no. This is this was uh, other high school <laughs> stuff. Separate. I'm like, I I grew up to my dad playing Pink Floyd uh, and mm-hmm. like playing along on his guitar every Sunday morning. Oh, nice. So like Pink Floyd is in my in my DNA. Yeah, on Sunday morning, then you but... grew up Methodist, huh? <laughs> Actually, I, I, should, <laughs> I got him. I should always plug the show. We have a, a earlier episode where we do Dark Side of the Moon. So okay, yes, um, with Excellent. Justice Harrison, right? Man, Just, that yes, that was a fun episode with ID and abilities, right? Matt, I know I say this all the time. We gotta, we gotta have people back. This is a too good, know, too know, rich, a, yeah. too rich a concept. We're not digging into yeah. our backlog. Uh, our last question comes from Justin Chen. Uh, wants to know how do y'all feel about the cultural tensions of ska music? And apologies, this is a bit of a longer question, but it is. I think all worth it and all relevant. Uh, it comes with the strangest racial baggage of a genre originating in Jamaica as an offshoot of Caribbean music, tr- musical traditions and American jazz, both predominantly black musical traditions, but it's also most well known for being a punk subgenre that is dominated by white artists. Uh, it's evolved pretty far away from those musical roots, obviously. And additionally, it has a weird tension of being a subgenre of punk, but often looked down by, excuse me, looked down on by people in that space uh, as nerd music and ironically sort of being very juvenile. Uh, I guess the sum is that I, uh, John, excuse me, Justin personally loves Streetlight Manifesto and Everything Goes Numb is one of their personal favorite albums, but uh, they find it very interesting that Ska is sort of a lightning rod of cultural opinions. Matt, what do you think about uh, sort of Ska as this North Star of people getting mad or happy about music? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, do, I was thinking about that because um, I would encourage people to like listen to like some of the early 60s Ska stuff like Desmond Decker, Israelites, or Millie Small, My, Bo- My Boy Lollipop, Prince Buster. It's really fun music, and there's, I'm sure, good Spotify playlists uh, that have all that. And um, I guess I would sort of compare it to like a, the telephone game you used to play, where like somebody says one thing, and then you know you find out like after it goes through like five people, like it, it's totally different, right? So mm-hmm. you know the the first wave of the English bands kind of took from those original Scott artists. A lot of them were from London or Jamaica, and then you know the second you know, like those bands added some kind of, you know, new wave and like light punk influences. And then like, you know, the next wave, you know, or that was the second wave. And then the next wave, you know, was obviously not going back to the original stuff. It was going back to like the English beat and the specials and selector, those English bands that were kind of part of the new wave scene. And so, you know, that kind of takes away part of the early influence. And then, you know, bands like, you know, street light manifesto are more based off stuff like operation Ivy and fishbone from the eighties. So, with every step, it's kind of gets like one step away in the evolution from the original thing, which um, I don't know if that's problematic. I mean, the original stuff kind of, you know, in Jamaica, they sort of evolved away from that because Scott was kind of overtaken by reggae, which mm-hmm. sort of slowed it down. And that was when people like, you know, uh, you know, Bob Marley and people like that were coming into the thing. So that was sort of a natural evolution away from Scott, I think, in Jamaica. I don't, I don't know if there's a ton of like modern Scott that's even made down there. Right. Um, but it is a bit, you know, the racial component is interesting because I think it, it is like, it's definitely become sort of a subgenre of like pop punk basically. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, things, things evolve and like, you know, let's say, um, you know, R and B music, right. You know, yeah. uh, like the weekend, right. Listen to a weekend record and then listen to like a Ray Charles record. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're both African-American, but you know, those are both quote unquote R and B records. They sound absolutely zero like each other. Right. So mm-hmm. I think over time stuff just kind of evolves and I don't know if you can really stop that. Um, but 
Well, even even if you look at like rock and roll in general, like people attribute like modern rock and roll to what Little Richard and like the evolution of of that. Um, yeah, and, like, like Chuck Berry and yeah, mm-hmm. and like rock rock has changed so much in the last 50, 60 years that a lot of it's pretty unrecognizable uh, to what the original is. But I think uh, a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to like whether people. Um, if people acknowledge where things began and like you, you do hear it in, in some sky albums, like wait, they will just flat out throw down like a reggae track and mm-hmm. it's a little bit weird um, because it's usually like a white dude doing. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Marley or, or something, something similar. It's That's like, I get point, where you're man. coming from and you do want to pay homage to what, what came before and like the, the roots of your music. Um, but that could almost be more problematic than doing a sort of like the traditional kind of like pop punk U.S. Right. stuff, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting question. There's definitely a lot of racial and cultural dynamics and, you know, sure uh, appropriation and things. But um, the one that um, Justin brought up specifically, like, obviously, it's rife with, you know, sort of the origins of it and as coming from other cultures and other ethnicities and sort of crossing borders and how that's opened it up and how that's sort of limited it. Very big opening, interesting question as it is. But then Justin brings up like the fact that ska within within punk, which is like kind of uh, it started as as a genre for like the outsider for the for the uh, post postmodernists, is itself sort of seen in the punk scene as like the nerdy thing, as like the the yeah. juvenile thing, um, the yeah. like almost laughably goofy thing, which. Feel, I didn't. I didn't. I don't know if, if that feels like a feed forward situation where it's like we're now sort of ostracizing a sort of subgenre of our larger picture. Not to say our as if there's like the punk cabal making rules or anything, but like mm-hmm. feels like it would be the space where that music might be might be able to like thrive yeah. and pick up. Where instead it's sometimes. I mean, in fairness, I would say that a lot of ska bands didn't actually do a lot to um, disabuse people of the notion that it was goofy, <laughs> right? Sure, or somewhat yeah. juvenile. If you, I mean, if you, if you, you listen know, to like. Uh, the Aquabats or they might be giants mm-hmm. or uh, there's an old band I used to listen to called uh, suburban legends. Like a lot of it, they, they just flat out allude to that. This is just like fun, dumb things. And like a lot of, a lot of ska bands, like we talked about before, like they were band kids and they're just doing goofy yeah. shit mm-hmm. and like having fun and, and trying to like the, the punk component is, I'd say mostly for the people who want to get a little bit more serious and have, have a little bit more edge to their ska. Um, but I think the, the heart of like the third wave is kind of that goofier, like devil may care attitude. Yeah. Um, good point. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the, I'd say the only thing that I, I think sucks of the whole thing is that um, for a lot of people, probably the work of the original uh, Jamaican and London artists, has kind of been erased essentially. Yeah. And uh, there's probably tons of kids that, you know, listen to ska music and, you know, they think like, no doubt is like a roots <laughs> ska band or yeah, something. Right. You know what I mean? So that sucks. And I think that erasure of, of the sort of black culture that starts a lot of music that ends up being kind of white rock music. It happens often. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that was like a nefarious plot to do that, but it's just like the way the market operates and the way culture operates and, you know, things get elevated without maybe, the larger context of where they came from. And that, that's a shame, but you know, you see that in a lot of different genres as well. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, but that was actually, that was a really thought provoking question. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. it is. Thank you so much, Justin, for your question. Uh, the last thing we do, as I mentioned on the show, is we play a song suggested by our community. Uh, this one comes from Jason Wojner, who suggests the song. I'm, pr- I'm not fluent like, uh, <laughs> like Jason is in Ukrainian, uh, in, but I'm going to try. Um, it is the song Vodospad, which means waterfall. Uh, it is being sung in this version by Nazari Yaramchuk. Uh, thank you, guys. I really worked hard on that one. Um, it is apparently a very, very popular <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Ukrainian pop song. Uh, I really came to like it. It's why I picked yeah. it for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a sort of an umpa thing. Reminded me a lot, actually, of the ska we listened to in this episode in sort of a historically, I don't know, going back a couple generations way. Um, Jason, excuse me, Jason says that there are a lot of different versions out there with different nuances in the form and tempo from different artists, but a good song is a good song at the end of the day. Um, and I will leave a link to this in the show notes, but uh, I thought it was very fun. Jason yeah. actually performed this video, or sorry, performed this song with a band um, in at a charity that he organized in Brooklyn uh, for oh, that's awesome. because yeah, I really again, Jason song speaks. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. So you, can, you can find a link to that in the show notes, but we'll play that over our outro. Um, yeah. Did you guys have anything to say about the track or should we head out uh, to, to it? Yeah, let's head out. I'll, well, I have a couple things, closing remarks. Jason mm-hmm. plugged his shit, so I'm going to plug Renegade Priest. <laughs> my, my, I actually did all the music myself, not to the degree that Nolan Potter did. It's much more primitive, but check it out. It's on Bandcamp. Every song needs three things is the t- album title uh, on uh, Renegade Priest Bandcamp. Um, number two, I just want to send a message out to, um, what was that, Chicken Noodle Soup Band? Was chicken, it chicken Poodle Soup? <laughs> Chicken poodle soup, yeah. yeah. So you, you fire our man, and then so how was your record on like Fat Rack or like Epitaph? I have no oh, idea. Oh, that did, that didn't happen, did it? No. How was your tour on the second stage of work tour? Oh. It didn't happen either, did you? CPS so, needs some CPR these days. Yeah, like where is your career now, and where could it have been if John was in you? Flatline chicken poodle that. soup. Yeah, yeah. More like so, chicken pooptle soup. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, chicken so poodle she, poop. We're going to. That's, that's my big... former band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That I danced to. No. Uh, <laughs> anyway. If anybody wants to hear their music, they are not on Spotify, but I might have a CD around here if anybody you wants got, to come over and listen. Got to it. The CD John was still your manager, it'd be on Spotify. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, I, would, I would listen to it occasionally. I've played it recently. Katy Perry, right. who? <laughs> um, but seriously, John, thank you uh, for being on the show. This is great. And no, thank you for uh, having obviously, me. Uh, seriously like best of luck in all things and uh, i'm Thank sure you. great things are coming for you so hey, appreciate john, you being on the show where can people find it. you on twitter yeah you can find me on twitter at john underscore carson um and if you don't mind i'm gonna plug my my twitch stream we're as all well. plugging oh, our yeah, shit, definitely. yeah at uh john carson games on twitch uh planning on streaming more now that i have more free time um i'm working on i mean the review will probably be out by the time this uh this podcast comes out but just working on stuff this week uh so uh check out that uh that twitch page hit hit me send me a follow i how does how does twitch work uh <laughs> you haven't had to self-promote in a while have you no it's <laughs> it's it's been done by a multi-million dollar corporation for the oh, last yeah, year yeah. or so um <laughs> we're back on the indies baby that's right back to the grassroots we're coming twitch twitter check it out john carson that's me all right well thanks okay. everybody this is a fun episode and we appreciate you listening and we will um be back in a couple weeks thanks everyone oh.